Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey there, Jets fans. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is AJ, one of your hosts, and I'm here tonight with Mike for episode 68. So, of course, it's in honor of the great and powerful Yarmir Yager. Of course, number 68. Uh, so that's the episode. Uh, Mike and I, were going to be talking about a bunch of things today, uh, most notably all the buff stuff. So that's something to do. But before we get into that, the first thing I want to say is, first of all, we're part of Jets Nation, so go check out Jets Nation. But also, um, Mike, what are you drinking tonight? Because the Jets haven't been playing that well. They're playing San Jose right now as we speak. They're in the first period. Um, what is your drink of choice to uh, to make watching the Jets a little bit more enjoyable? Apple cider. Delicious. Shout out to Mike's favorite alcohol, President's Choice uh, apple cider, um, stolen from the local liquor mart. <laughs> well, so, you know, me and my friends, we get together and, yeah, just, uh, you know, just uh, boys will be boys. <laughs> boys will be boys. Okay. So you, Although apparently from what I'm seeing, it's like, uh, it's like, I don't know, the pictures that people are passing out. Like, oh, it's all teen girls. It's a bunch of teen, teen girls, man. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. I think it's a. You know, apparently, so apparently, uh, liquor stores used to be like this before my time. But apparently, like probably some of our listeners might remember. I guess like in the seventies, you'd go there, and it was more like like now if you go to buy weed or whatever, it was, it's not just like a retail store. Right. It used to be way different. You used to go to the counter and like ask for what you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. They changed. They uh, probably changed the model because uh, they, you sell more when people browse. So. So you're not you're yeah, so you're, sure. you're drink, drinking just apple cider, not even actual alcohol, not even a beer. Well, uh, I no, I went out I went out pretty good for a week night last night, so <laughs> now I'm uh, now I'm non-alcohol. Now I'm never drinking again. All right. Well, I I most people that know me know that I don't drink, but I bought this drink for my wife, and uh, I'm gonna try it. Some real botanicals stuff of like mint and cucumber. So. Uh, I, I don't really like alcohol, but I thought maybe, you know, if the Jets keep this up, maybe I'll get really into it. So, anyhow, <laughs> so, Mike, you, you haven't been on the podcast for a long time. There's been a lot of stuff transpired. Um, I think we recorded about three games ago, like one game before the Heritage Classic. So just to kind of give you context, um, we probably won't review stuff too too long ago. And uh, I know you've been busy, so the Her- I don't even think you took in much of the Heritage Classic. But the big story, prob- well, there's a couple big ones. There seems to be a lot. Um, but uh, maybe we'll start with the Hey Nola uh, thing. He got sent down to the Moose. He's playing this first game with the Moose tonight, uh, I believe. I'm not sure if they're in Winnipeg or away. I didn't double-check that. And I think he's going to be in a line with Niku, who's just coming back from injury. What's sort of your 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 take on the Hainola situation? Um, do you think that they should just burn a year? Uh, are you concerned about the nine games, or are you concerned about the forty games, which sounds like you lose that that year of uh, RFA later on? Or you know, I I, I hear arguments uh, for every possible angle, and I think there's probably decent arguments at every end. Um, what's what's your strongest argument for what you think they should be doing with? With Hinola. So, yeah, it's a weird one because he's basically been their second best defenseman, something like that. I mean, he's definitely their second best puck moving defenseman. There's just, it's just kind of Morrissey and then him and then a bunch of guys maybe trying to ship it off the glass and out if they're lucky, right? <laughs> so, 
Uh, I mean, kind of that's that's one angle of this that just strikes me. Like, yeah, I haven't been, I haven't, I've been so busy with work and stuff. It's kind of been a bit of a different perspective for me this year. But that's been definitely one of my takeaways is just um, how high up on the depth chart he actually is. Right. And uh, yeah, based on performance, there's no way that he should have been, you know, that he should have been sent down. Like the Jets actually, you know, if they want to compete, they need him. Uh, they need his skills. But then to be honest, I also see like, yeah, I'm on Twitter and I see like a lot of, this is, it's, uh, you know, it's pissing a lot of people off and stuff. And to be honest, I still come back to the fact that he is 18 years old. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, it seems like there's, yeah, Maybe forwards in the NHL 18. Like, it's just, there's a pretty small group of, of players that seem to that seem to make it as 18 year olds. Like 82 games. Um, I don't know. I just I to me to me it seems like it would make a lot of sense to. I'm not super concerned about the ELC because I think that whole landscape, like the you know players' first contracts and second contracts, that's all changing. So I'm not actually sure where where we know where those where that's at, but. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I guess the team does retain like a little bit of leverage for sure, and uh, and maybe maybe he gets to grow up. And as a 19 year old, as we all know, you're just so much more mature as a 19 year old. You never make bad decisions. You never rob liquor marts or whatever, <laughs> and you know. So yeah, there. That's my answer, I guess. What do you think? What what what, what, are you, what should, the, should the judge have kept him up or what? Well, like I said, I think there's a strong argument to say, you know, let him go down and play with the Moose. Um, I talked with um, Max the Silent, and if, for anyone who's on Twitter would know who he is, the other day we went out for breakfast with some people, and um, I said, what do you think? Do you think, and he's a smart hockey mind, I said, should he go down to the, if he's going to go down, should he go to the Moose or go to Finland? What's going to be better? The Moose are, are quite awful right now, They're, at least the record is. Um, we'll see if they can turn that around, but it's a, been a real rocky start for them. I believe they were one in seven last time I checked. Yeah, I know. They, yeah, they, they had a very bad start. So, so when you talk about developing a young player, is that good for him to go down there and just kick the snot out of everybody and clearly be, you know, their best player? Or is it better that he's on like a more seasoned, better AHL team? Like, I mean, we always hear about sending guys down to the farm team to get that, that, um, seasoning, but I've never heard anyone really make a strong argument to if it's important if the farm team is good or, or bad and, and how that might change development uh, trajectory. And, and maybe it doesn't all. Maybe that's a stupid question. But for me, it, when I saw that the Moose are awful, I go, well, what's the case with his Finland team? Like, or is his Finland team um, that he's under contract to, you know, uh, killing it and they're a bunch of, you know, big men and, and uh, he'd get some great competition out there and maybe their coach is a former, you know, NHL player who seems really progressive. You know, maybe that would be the best uh, thing for him. But I, I haven't heard necessarily um, the, the real pros and cons. It's kind of just everybody has their argument. Uh, but nobody's really proven their argument to be that much better than the next one. Because, again, the, the nine games, if he goes down and he just, you know, stays with the Moose or goes to Finland and not with the big club, um, there seems to be like, okay, that seems like a normal development model for a small 18-year-old. Um, but then there's also the whole idea that he stays with the club. They do a bit of load management. He plays no less than uh, or no more than 40 games so that they can continue to keep that RFA status later on. Or the team... He plays with the Jets and he gets all his development here. And, and, and even that, if the Jets are really good, 
um, should he, should they slot him to the into the lineup and that would be better? Or when it's chaotic on the defensive end, is that a better time, right? I think people will just make the argument for all of those things and all the arguments in the end, there's probably some pros and cons to all of them, but I'm not convinced that any of them are quite obviously a better option than the next one. My whole issue comes down to the fact that the Jets seem to not really have a plan. Like he plays six games and we're like, yeah, he's, it looks like he's playing up. Then he sits three or four games. You, you could play him in the Heritage Classic and you leave him out because by some Twitter people's uh, things, he hasn't earned it. But then I wonder how Boteto earned it. Like guy who's not a very good player, yeah, who's only been know, here the, for a little bit. Yeah, we started getting these exhibition games, and it seemed like to me they they kind of realized, oh, we actually have something here. And I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, I would have thought, oh, like just out of hand, they'd kind of dismissively sort of, you know, he had some good, he was going to be a good puck mover. He had some good exhibition games. Well, okay, well, you know, go to Finland and come back next year. Um, I actually kind of give them a little bit of credit for for putting them in NHL games and uh, for putting Hanola in, in NHL games. And and I think, like, they, I I was wondering whether they, it seems to me like they, they kind of, they liked how he was playing, and then they sort of realized, okay, like, he's, they, I, I wondered if they wanted to, to sort of convince him to, to play with the Moose, like, kind of keep him around yeah. with, you know, making his, like, nice NHL, I assume he makes more money you know, playing in the NHL and everything, getting games, or even if he's a healthy scratch, but kind of, you know, traveling with the team, kind of experiencing North America and sort of doing the behind the scenes selling on keeping him with the moose. So, so I don't know what Max said about what would be best for his development, but it seems like the Jets kind of wanted to, to convince him to stay, at least to be a part of the moose, if nothing else. Yeah. Well, Max said he thought it'd be better if he was with the moose for his development. Uh, Tony sounds like he thinks the kid should go to Finland, maybe because he's just not high on the moose and what they're doing. Uh, not necessarily because he's anti AHL or, any, or uh, yeah, anti AHL. Um, but uh, yeah, again, that I I agree with you. They're kind of feeling it out, but at the same time, uh, first rounders aren't supposed to necessarily come in and be starters on a team in the first year. You 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 look at that kid as being three years. So he surprises. And the injuries to Niku were sort of aware at the beginning of the season. The buff situation, they knew already. Uh, Bullyu, the injury was already there. So they knew that the defensive core was going to be bad. And he was an 18-year-old that was 150 pounds when we started this whole conversation. And he still is now. So some of the, the things that are cited... Um, they haven't changed. There's there's no difference except that he's shown that he's further along um, in his development. But as far as the plan and and whatnot, it kind of just feels a little bit random because again he played a bunch and then he sat a bunch. He sat at the Heritage Classic, which I think was a, a fail. He deserved to be there as much as anybody else, um, and it would be a cool experience. I know some people think um, not very okay, much of that so decision. You say that though, but like. What was your experience watching the Heritage Classic? Were you just mystified and honored with the opportunity to watch <laughs> such a prestigious event? I just... Is that, I, is that I, how you felt, AJ? I felt honored just... Uh, no, I felt honored that we were in the same building. No, I'm trying to remember the Maurice quote from the Wild a couple of years ago. It was an honor just to like, play you know against... what I'm saying, right? Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, like, I wasn't... I had my own early uh, game, so I, ended up, I watched, like, the overtime and stuff. And, but, I mean, everyone's just... As far as I get to, everyone's kind of like, well, you know, they do too many of these, they suck, you know, they're not special at all. 
But then all of a sudden, for Hanola, he's supposed to be this kid from Finland that like dreams about playing on an outdoor game in Regina, uh, Regina, Saskatchewan. So well, I'm, I mean, I but that, that's that just like disconnects city right there, man. I, but that's the way that these things are sold when they they talk about the storyline. So either everybody's full of shit, or some of those things are meaningful. And I think I think there is some meaningfulness to it. Like I mean, not to beat a dead horse, but the whole Niku and Veselina not going on the Finland trip, right? Everyone's like, well, it doesn't matter. But then all the storylines were about how cool it is for for uh, Line A to be there, and Timu drops the puck, and Numenin and the Finnish connection, and it's like, well, Line is not any more Finnish than Niku or Veselainen, and those guys are part of the long-term thing, so it's just, so my point okay, was a little... Okay. I don't disagree, uh, I actually don't disagree with you at all there, like, I mean, if you want to talk about, you know, the NHL, or even, like, sometimes, like, Paul Maurice, like, just having absolutely no, um, just not giving any kind of crap about storylines, or, um, you know, what's that, like, just, like, you know, kind of um, any sense of the moment yeah. type things. Like, yeah. I know, like, recently he had, like, the, the other young guy from this year, Gustafson, had his parents uh, in for this, <laughs> like, you know, two-week-long stay. They followed the team around, and the coach never dressed their son, <laughs> yeah. like, once. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, the, the, just like you said, the, the Finland trip last year, I mean, that was cool. I mean, like, the Jets, for once, have, like, three Finnish players or something like that, and they go there to do this this global series game in Finland, that that would have, I mean, where, like, yeah, sense of the moment. There you go. Like, yeah. like you could obviously dress your Finnish players. And and so there is something because, to that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. My, my thing is, I think that he made a point. I think, I think he, uh, I think they're like, I don't know, he wanted to make sure he dressed Ben Sherat so Ben Sherat can, uh, never mind. I just, I don't know. This, don't, <laughs> don't do it. Don't I, go I, down I, that I road. Think, I just think he, uh, I think he, obviously wanted his you know air on the side of helping his vets as he always does so yeah yeah so i i don't know i guess it's just hard because i'm not really into like you're kind of poo-pooing on the storyline thing about the heritage classic but i mean that's how it's i also... just don't think that one matters for hey i mean i mean yeah okay that's fair yeah. i think that i think that's fair but there are a lot of storylines that seem to they like you say they sort of miss the opportunity that was one of the smaller examples for sure but it feels like you could have just dressed him and it's like, it, it makes no difference. Like, the, he helps the team. Uh, they ended up winning. It's not like they'd lose that game if he plays. And if he goes from game six or to game seven that he's played, I don't think that changes their whole idea and plan that uh, they may or may not have. So, I don't know. That, that That's my take. And I said, you, you, you have those moments. Just give it to the people that are going to be part of your organization long term, not to um, guys that are fill-ins for a year, like a potato or you know, Latestu or something. Oh, so. yeah. And, hey, I wouldn't have, um, I definitely know, it would have been no criticism for me if they would have done that. Like, it would have been, it would have been cool. I, I do agree with that. I just, um, uh, I, I do agree with that. And it would have been cool if, like, if the Jets treats these, if the Jets would treat these games like something special and, and, uh, and yeah, like, put their, put their best roster out there or, or the people who they think are going to be key, you know, you know, who knows, like, maybe Anola is, uh, is just yeah, like maybe he's a future number one defenseman, and and that would have been something really cool to look at, look back upon. Right. Um, so I I don't uh, I don't disagree with you on that. Okay, the last last thing about Hainola, I'm gonna ask you about. I'll let you have the last word about it. But um, do you think that it's like I kind of asked you if you think he should go down or go up? But do you think it's harmful to his development to be on a chaotic defensive? Um, uh, team right now, the the Jets not being good, like versus you know, sort of get in kind of quietly and have whatever a, 
a buff and a truba and a morrissey i mean not all these things are possibilities anymore but kind of waiting until things sort of calm down a little bit more is that a better thing or does a chaoticness I, does, no, does that I not bother you at all i absolutely think that they should have kept, that they should keep him away from the from that kind of environment because yeah. he's he's a defenseman he's going to be playing against against um you know just the cloud yeah 225 pound forwards coming in full speed and if he's playing with I mean, who's his defense partner been? Like, is is well, mostly um, Pionk? Yeah, so Pionk. I mean, so I think from what I understand, he's done a little bit better than we all expected. But you know, if, if it was Hanola and Buff, I would trust Buff to basically only give uh, Hanola the the puck in in really good situations. Like, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't get that just like you know blind ring around the boards, like desperate, please God, break us out of our own end. You know, it's been three minutes kind of thing, and and then Hanola is. 150 pounds or whatever you said and yeah. and he gets drilled because of it like i just i think that i think that that um i think that that is something that i would worry about because if he's not as physically mature and he's taking punishment then you, i don't know you just don't want you just don't want to plant the seed of oh like you know i better move the puck really quick because i'm gonna get hit and i'm gonna get hurt yeah so I and mean, for that reason i don't mind like i mean even if the moose are a bit of a even if they're like kind of a lousy team as well um just everything's going to be coming a little bit slower, and uh, and I I just don't want I just don't want him to get in a position where he where he gets hurt or gets gets uh, gets put in a bad position during his time on the ice. So. Yeah. Well, I, my my one argument is uh, the AHL is men as well, and um, they do hit as well, and there's more fighting and stuff there. So I mean, and probably more guys trying to prove something. So as far as the risk of injury or his size or anything, um, he played against. Men in Finland, I, I I don't really see that as being much of a a thing, and it's going to be chaotic and more chaotic down there. So I'm um, for me the that argument, it's just it washes. I know I said I give you the last word, but it's a wash. I, if they kept him up and they just burnt his year and got him to play eighty games and just really throw him to the fire, I, I would say this is probably a good argument you can make that that's the best way to season this kid in particular right like uh if if they really have a plan but and i, I want to move along though to the buff stuff because that's obviously been the biggest bit of news um without kind of um paraphrasing all of it i think everybody's familiar with the situation so going into it right now with the buffs recent uh so i won't re- kind of retell the whole story but uh yeah going into it right now what's your your take on the on the buff situation and his recent surgery away from the team and the fact that he did this uh, kind of away from team orders and doctors and and all this stuff. What's your uh, what's your first inkling? Is it uh, is there collusion? Is it uh, something really bad or is it just buff being buff? Um, probably. I think that both of the things that you said are ingredients to what's going on here. I mean, yeah, I think. I mean, I'd love to talk to someone that actually knows what's what's going on here. I mean, it's 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 pretty odd because yeah, like you think if okay, well, if he normally a player if a player has like a serious injury that he finishes the season kind of playing through during playoffs, the first thing he'd do when the Jets get eliminated from the playoffs is Buff would have got surgery, right? right. Like oh, right away I got the surgery, then I have the whole off season to you know let it heal, and then I can start training and get back in shape again. Like that's like what Shifley or, or like most NHLers would do, uh, but uh, but for some reason Buff, I mean yeah, like gosh, I mean like he just had surgery. What did they say? Like this like like a couple days before we're recording here. Yeah, and uh, just a 
it's a bizarre time. And I was just looking up some stuff from back like last December when he first had that high ankle sprain. Right. And uh, yeah, I guess like Paul Maurice, <laughs> Paul Maurice was saying, what did he say? Yeah. He, he, however, Paul Maurice stated he wouldn't require surgery. So that's like almost a full calendar year ago. Right. And yeah, ever since that happened, like that was right before New Year. Ever since that happened, that was when just all the like the Jets took such a, such a nosedive that there was all kinds of rumors about just um, being just a terrible locker room. And um, man, I mean, I I don't know. It's sure all the signs point. As far as I'm concerned, it seems to me that that uh, Buffs just. I think he there's definitely an ingredient of he it seems like he doesn't really want to play for the Jets or he doesn't want to play for the coach or he doesn't want to play with some of the guys on the team and uh, who knows like with Buff I I think that there's a lot going on where he where he just doesn't want anyone to tell him what to do and I think it's just like his Buff being Buff side too that makes things just pretty unique so yeah I don't know what like what are you I mean because what was it Bob McKenzie broke the thing where he yeah Buff finally got surgery and that I noticed it seems that things kind of changed, eh? Like, like, uh, what, what have you been, what, well, what do you, what do you think about it, man? Well, I, I have a little bit of a different, t- and I, I think you hit the nail on the head right at the end there when you said it's buff being buff. So there's a couple things that we know, like this is not, um, this, we're not, this is not insider, uh, information, but buff last year did have a concussion. Um, from the Alexiak uh, hit, he did have two high ankle sprains or two times that he was out because of high ankle sprain, and you know was trying to rehab that and and whatnot. Um, we know that he had surgery. Um, we also know that he was, uh, as reported by Elliot Friedman, that um, uh, he. Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought there for a second. I was uh, looking at something here <laughs> at the same time. Uh, Elliot Friedman saying that he basically had to be talked off the fence about retiring, right? So we know that he was serious about uh, this retirement thing. So this is this is my right, take. Yeah. And, and and then we also know that, uh, yeah, I know you mentioned Paul Maurice there, um, at the fan forum, he said it's nothing sinister, um, which is uh, Adam Wozni tweeted something about that. I think he was uh, making a direct quote and kind of having a little giggle at that. But anyhow, this my take on all this is basically the season ended uh Poorly. I mean, the Jets were okay in that that uh, Blues series, but I mean, there were some frustrating moments throughout the year, from the concussion to two kind of times out with ankle um, stuff. Uh, probably some arguments about getting surgery. I know that's kind of the main conversation now. Why he he'd do it away from the team, um, but. Um, oh, and oh, sorry, I'm gonna pause there for a second. Anybody who's citing he's away because of his marriage and and this kind of conjecture, that's pure absolute garbage, and it's not based on anything. And I'm tired of people doing it. I was listening to 1290, and Jim Toth kind of shut down somebody right away um, when they started with that kind of garbage stuff. So people just trying to make up stuff uh, and take pictures of Buff's house and uh, watching to see what time he he comes and goes. Um, if any of that's happening, I mean, those people should be shamed because that's absolutely ridiculous. Still deserves his privacy and so does his family. And, um, so anyhow, I just want to say that. So anyhow, last year was a frustrating year. We know, like you mentioned, the room wasn't good. So I bet you, this, this is my theory. I bet you at the exit meeting after they lose the St. Louis series, um, all those things compiled, not one thing in particular, you know, the room, the injuries, the concussion, whatever, um, Buff probably just said, "Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. I'm retiring. I'm I'm out of here, right?" 
Um, I don't need this. I don't need the money. I'm gone. And probably at that moment, uh, Chevy goes, well, no, no, okay. Every, like, don't retire. Just don't say you're retiring. I hear you. I understand. They're apparently quite close. Um, he would have just said, nope, Buff, like, just, I, I can't, you don't say the R word, <laughs> the retiring yeah. word, right? And so just go take your time. Like, we're going to work through this. We're going to see if we could figure out stuff, you know, whether it's uh, team-wise or better, which they haven't been, um, or locker room-wise or health-wise or whatnot. And so he says, fine, fine, whatever. Okay, I'm going I'm going fishing. He didn't play in the beauty league. He apparently didn't really work out much all summer. Um, that's, that's, that part is, is rumor. Um, but, and he didn't obviously get a surgery that he could have had the day after they finished that, you know, the, the St. Louis series. And so part of his seriousness or lack of seriousness being buff, like sort of his, I don't care attitude, which sometimes can be negative. Um, I, I, I get the sense that, um, this was part of his, showing that he's serious in his protest it just like no i when i come to camp i will have not worked out i'm not in good shape i need the surgery and everything so he couldn't be forced to do anything um he they couldn't force him into the lineup on you know october 3rd or whatever it was their first game was because he wasn't ready and so by all that and then getting the surgery now he's bought himself another four months Right. Because he's not going to be ready by that time. So I don't think that getting the surgery means he is exactly coming back in four months or um, he'll play for the Jets again or not. I still am on the buff plays for the Jets again, uh, whether this year or next year. But I think the whole thing is not as bad as it looks where, you know, they've had this huge fight with team doctors, yada, yada. And uh, so he's off doing his own thing. And now his agent is going to talk to the NHLPA about should he get paid for this. Um, that was sort of roughly kind of uh, reported by Bob, Bob McKenzie, I believe it was, with not too much detail going into that, like just talking about Buff's agent. I think that's all procedural. I think that stuff has to happen. He does. He is part of a union, so he does have to let them know, even regardless of the fact that he's a, a bit of a, a wild child and free spirit. Um, so I think that's all procedural stuff. I don't think that's um, uh, malicious or he's going to try and sue the team or anything. I just think, honestly, this was all him buying the time and not being forced into kind of deciding, you know, oh, well, we talked you out of retirement and now it's time to play. So now you got to get out there. I honestly think he just was buying time. So um, that that's my thing. So I don't think it's as, as dark and terrible as people think. And whatever his issues were, um, if there are any besides the injury stuff, maybe just time away from the team is what he needed just to clear his head. Maybe people need to clear their head from him. Maybe he was problematic, you know, which I, I kind of doubt because that's never been ever reported about him. But um, yeah, I, I, I that's that's kind of my take on that. I think uh, him and Chevy have open lines of communication. They're close. And I don't think he's going to come after the team with anything. Um, he's just he's just controlling the whole situation and not going to be pushed in a corner. And it's the one way you can make sure you're not pushed in a corner is make sure that you're definitely not healthy and ready to do something you don't feel like doing. So, yeah, like he was retiring. So, he was okay, literally so retiring. Just, just to jump in, I actually think that you're I actually think that you're right. I do. But I do think that you're surprisingly maybe downplaying a little bit of the uh, of the sinisterness of it, just in terms of. It's hard to think that there isn't like a person, like there's a personality clash somewhere 
with like, you know, maybe it's the captain or the coach or something like that. You know what I mean? There's like, I'm just remembering back to last season and, and uh, I mean, there's a bunch of weird stuff that happened in the whole second half of last year. Um, but I remember like after Buff came back from his second injury, do you remember it was like he was banished from the power play? Yeah. Do you remember that at all? Yeah. And I, they just kept on putting out Jacob Truba, Jacob Truba, Jacob Truba. And, uh, you know, I remember even like Buff was like caught on camera, like, like uh, Maurice, you know, sending Truba out on the power play and, at, you know, as it was in the middle of going like 0 for 15 or something. And Buff just like slashed the stick on the ice. Yeah. Do you remember that stuff? I do. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm just like, I'm not trying to say like, oh, like, Buff's holding out until they fire, fire the coach or anything dumb like that. I just, I think that, I think that that, to me, in my imagination, that might be, I just can't help but wonder if that would maybe be part of, part of why Buff's putting his foot down. Yeah. And you I know, my, I, I think you're right. And like I said, I don't think it's one thing. I think it's a comp, compilation of things, right? It's it's likely not just, oh, I had one concussion. Now I'm scared to ever play again, right? I, or I had one high ankle sprint. I need surgery. Um, I, I don't want to bother with rehab. I know some people kind of thinking that maybe Buff's too lazy to, to follow through with the rehab. And, and maybe his personality isn't the best for rehabbing quickly, right? And so maybe there's a delay just by personality's sake, right? But those things, like the if we want to get into the personalities, I mean, Maurice did mention the ruffled feathers. You talk about the frustration with the power play. I mean, for for what we can see, that's all out in the public. This again, not conjecture. Uh, Wheeler did an interview with Sarah Orleski, um, which I talked about a couple right. podcasts ago. Yeah, I thought this where, was interesting. Where he basically, and I don't get this, how Liney is a an immature baby. Uh, for holding, not even holding out, not having a contract and trying to negotiate, you know, something that he thinks is fair. So he's a big whiny baby. Um, but whereas Wheeler, it sounds like he was a jerk to his wife and to his kids. Like that's kind of, it sounds like he torpedoed the room, honestly. Um, when you like just read between the lines of the way that he says he was so competitive, the way he talks about the young guys, everything. I mean, the Wheeler situation, yeah, like, yeah, the Maurice kind of situation. A, it, was a, it, was a weird, it was a weird interview because it was kind of like, it was kind of like, um, I mean, like while there were rumors and stuff, but basically like, we didn't, it wasn't kind of out there in public that, oh, um, okay, like, you know, uh, you know, the captain's being really harsh to uh, to all the young players or, oh, like this, you know, stuff in the personal life or, oh, he needs to be more, it's like, you know, and he's coming out, oh, this year we're going to be a bit more, you know, got to keep a bit more level-headed, got to keep it positive. And, yeah. you know, he's kind of like, meanwhile, everyone else is kind of like, what? Oh, I guess that's what was happening last year. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and so again, that's that's all in plain sight. So if you want to try and connect some dots about personality stuff, I think there's probably a strong argument there for some of that stuff. There's certainly been some rumors uh, about things, but I mean, you can't give every single rumor credence. But when the same ones keep popping up and they seem to kind of line up with personalities and and whatever, maybe there's something there. And so, it, like you say, maybe it's a coach, maybe it's a uh, Wheeler, maybe whatever. It's a lack of Hendricks because the Jets, maybe he fought hard to get Hendricks back and the Jets said, no, we're not doing the Hendricks thing again, right? And then he retires and goes because he was close with him. Maybe it was the fact, and, and and that's not that's not condoning anything. That's not saying, you know, I mean, maybe in, if that's all true, 
people can conclude Buff's a big baby, right, out of all this. Or people can conclude, holy, that's, man, Buff's got all these things he's dealing with. Yeah, I totally get his decision, right? People are going to come to different conclusions with, you know, the the nonsense that we're saying that's, you know, again, most of it's in, in plain sight. Um, but um, I, I, I'm not necessarily um, trying to, like, take a side with it, although I do. I, um, because I, I do definitely, definitely have my preferences with people. I'm just trying to figure out, like, I think there's a bit more to the story. And when people are looking for it, uh, and then they're starting to, you know, cite marriage problems or drug problems or all these other kind of things, uh, it's, that's not based in anything. Why don't we start with the things that we do know? And it feels like there's a lot that we do know about personality and injuries and, and whatnot that you could probably draw some conclusions where you're like, Okay, that actually seems to explain most of this away, right? It, it and it's not that big of a mystery, and and Buff's just yeah. being Buff, right? Yeah, it it, it I, I think you're right. I think that it's best to. I mean, it's confusing if you start looking at if you start really looking for if you start really looking at rumors and, and things like you're saying. I mean, I'm I'm also still confused by just the money. Like, you know, what I don't understand is why, um, you know, I mean. Yeah, just why he wouldn't have like gotten the surgery done like you know earlier, that kind of thing, just in order to ensure that he's going to get uh, like because it's a lot of money that he's that he's that he has been basically just avoid. Like, he's been not casting any paychecks, right? Yeah, but hold um, on, I'm going to pause for a I second mean, there. I'm it, sure he's very financially secure. Yeah, if but, uh, if there's ever been a person that that you could think of in the NHL that would walk away from money. Which personality do you think it would be? It's literally like that lines up too that he just wouldn't care. I mean, he spent New Year's Eve in some, you know, boys' event or something, ice fishing last year. There were people posting pictures. Like that's what he did with his time was going ice fishing, you know, by with some buddies or by himself or whatever on New Year's Eve. Like he's he's just a you know whatever salt of the earth Not kind of person. Point. So yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. I, I, so that's, I definitely take I definitely take that point. So for I, me, it, it, uh, it explains it he's, too. He's like a pretty it, singular guy. He's a pretty singular guy, and that's a, a it's just a big reason why I really hope that he hasn't played his last game for the Jets. I just he's been basically one of the best parts of being a, a Jets fan, and he's been one of the few interesting players in the NHL. Uh, you know, during the time that uh, since the Jets came back and. And uh, he's, yeah, man. I just really hope. I mean, I I don't want to see him play in another team's uniform. Uh, I just uh, I just I hope that he does come back like the second half of this year, just because he actually makes hockey interesting. I mean, we can also we can also record five podcast episodes, you know, <laughs> focusing on each each uh, subpar defenseman for the Jets, like how Tucker Pullman sucks. But whoa, you, know. you shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Well then, that I, was a little bit of a troll job for you. But, I know uh, it was, and and actually, I'm gonna just throw this. We could argue about that, though. <laughs> I'm gonna. Well, hey, I've never said he's a, a first a first pair or second pair guy. I said he's a quality third pair guy, and if he's on there and he's got a decent partner, I said it's uh, it's it's good. It's it's not a bad thing to have him there. And I mean, that's anybody who knows me and knows that's because I'm a UND fan. And actually, in saying that, I'm going down to UND. On Friday to take a tour of the Ralph Engelstad and go to the game on on Friday and then uh, taking a football game on Saturday. So, um, yeah. Oh, fun. Yep, should be oh, good. Fun. Hey, me. I got one. More, I got one more thought on the buff thing, or uh, maybe oh. a question. For All you right, yeah, yeah, go because, for it. Uh, I mean, part of the story is just how the fans are reacting to it. Ooh, and yes. I'm just curious what you. I, I wanted to ask you about that because 
remember when it first came out, I thought that, um, like, 1290 and, you know, the media, all this, I thought, like, wow, like, they're really basically handling it really positively, like, really, like, like you know, sorry, woke, basically, and um, and basically being, like, really respectful to Dust privacy and being like, oh, like, he's he's going to work through his stuff, maybe he'll come back, you know, like, he's this is his right, kind of just really saying the right things, which to me suggested that probably the Jets were kind of putting out that, that that's how they saw it because they kind of wanted to convince him to come back. Yeah. But now that like Bob McKenzie is like, you know, this here now, it seems like maybe it's a little bit of gloves coming off, like listening to what Elliot Friedman has said and McKenzie. It sounds like, uh, you know, there's some more ruffled feathers, but, but what do you, what do you think? How are the fans handling it? I mean, well, you're uh, more plugged in than me, I think. Yeah, uh, maybe, a li- maybe a little bit. But well, one thing, like I tweeted out today from the Jet Centric podcast account, uh, a tweet that said, "Please quit guessing about Bufflin by bringing his marriage and family into it. This unfounded nonsensical garbage. Uh, this is unfounded nonsensical garbage. Never mind these lunatics posting pictures of his house. Get a life." And that was like by far probably our most popular tweet ever <laughs> it had like 38 retweets and 275 likes which is uh nothing if uh you know compared to some people's accounts but for what we do and the jets fans that follow us it was a pretty big thing and some of the stuff that went on and in, in the the mentions i had to just shut it off i'm like i'm not i can't i can't read all this it was some of it was like very very supportive and some of it was nonsense but i think the big thing that's really driving fans crazy is feeling like the team is lying to them. And I think that's where Shevel Dayoff and all this thing, who we haven't even mentioned, uh, is kind of caught between a rock and a hard place, right? He's trying... Uh, I mean, if Buff comes back and plays, and let's just pretend everything we said is true, okay? So let's just kind of suspend reality for a moment, and we, we hit the nail on the head. We, you know, we, we got everything there. Uh, if this is true, and Shevel Dayoff talked Buff off the fence, right... And now he's going to come back, you know, end of this year, you know, the Jets might be a bubble team, um, but then say they can retool and be good for next year. And we have buff for next year. Um, then shovel day off maybe comes off like a hero because he basically got one year out of buff instead of, you know, what was going to be zero had he retired. Uh, but right now it looks like he's kind of left picking up the pieces. He gave an interview the other day where he basically said nothing at all, right? He couldn't give any information yeah. about it. And, and I, he's sort of, people are like, the team's lying to us. They don't, uh, tell us anything. This is nonsense. Like they're obviously hiding things. And that's actually a question. Well, this I, is, I, part of this too, like is the big context of the fact that the Jets have been back for, I think this is the ninth season. Yeah. And, uh, and so they're kind of like this is kind of the hangover portion of of because uh, we're because all Jets fans we're all we're all on the same schedule in this right like we're all like super you know enthusiastic uh, and like you know like watching every single minute of every single game for the first number of years and and then it was like oh okay well it's awesome the Jets are back on oh, it seems kind of bad but we're getting better getting better every year is like kind of this like we had this nice slow build yeah and then last year when that when like our hopes and dreams were just crushed, basically mm-hmm. like this was supposed to be the start of this was supposed to be the fulfillment of the hockey news destin- destiny, right? And uh, so, anyways, I just think like the bigger context is, you know, some people are mad at True North keeping raising their ticket prices. Some people are, you know, mad that they're still paying off, uh, you know, playoff tickets from two years ago. Uh, uh, some people are mad that they're just maybe they're just maybe. No, they're, they're, they're not naturally, you know, hockey fans that want to watch 82 games a year, and that's how they've been spending the last eight winters. Right. 
we're kind of we're kind of we're kind of ready to to be grumpy about something and and now this just falls right on everyone's plates yeah well I, and i think that like saying all that and kind of back to the original point about the buff situation shovel day off and handling it and people being upset about the team kind of whatever and being and now you're saying you know kind of earning the right to sort of be grumpy about it i always wonder what people think the team owes them for information. I'm not defending the team at all. Like, I don't, I think it'd be great if they just told us everything, but I don't know that they owe the fans that because the fans pay or, um, or if they don't because they're a private organization, they could do what they want. But I always find it a little bit different where some people are say, just leave it in the hands of the good hockey people that know what they're doing. And other people are like, tell us what the hell is going on because this is nonsense. We're smart, intelligent. We can handle the truth tell us and so we can move on. But the thing is, even if they tell us, we're not part of the decision making at all. So we don't affect anything. These conversations we have on Twitter or on this podcast or whatnot, they don't change anything. As far as we know, no decision maker listens to this or looks at anything that people say on Twitter, right? They have their own internal processes. So there's part of me yeah, that, that wonders like what they owe us. And I think that's a question that I think you would be best to answer because I think you always have some kind of fun takes. <laughs> But what yeah, what do you all think? All I want to say was I don't know if it's a, if they're thinking about it in terms of whether they owe us or not. I think that really the argument that the team should be more forthcoming forthcoming with this kind of thing right. is based on the fact that you know it's like just this amazing um, you know business strategy basically to have all these fans that feel like they're part of the business and feel like they're part of the uh, the team, right? Yeah. Like I'm imagining myself as as Paul Maurice and what kind of, you know, who, which defenseman I would dress and what kind of, uh, you know, oh, I, I would bench line it or, or like, oh, no, I put him on top line. Like, like, you know, they want, they want that fan involvement. Yeah. And it definitely is tricky. Like, so for a business side of things, maybe, maybe they would want to actually share all this information and stuff so that, you know, they're keeping their, their loyal fans, uh, you know, tuned in to, to uh, connected with with uh, with proper information and everything. Yeah, but of course it's also, I mean, it's also like you know the health of health of players or, you know, I mean, you know, yeah, like okay, well, Andrew Kopp has a wrist injury. Well, now all of your players going to go slash his wrist like that whole, and you know, we all know about that that mode of thinking too. So yeah, I yeah I don't know. I mean, I also think about when I went to you're going to a football game. You said I think. And, I remember I went to Minneapolis a couple of years ago, uh, and uh, I think it was Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback for the Vikings, and he like he got sacked really hard, and then like 20 seconds later like, he was injured, and then like he got taken off the field, and like 20 seconds later on the jumbotron it was this like silhouette of a player, and it had like a red cross, like a red, a red you know, medical red cross thing on there saying Teddy Bridgewater concussed. Right. <laughs> It was just like so up to the minute. It was like it was like I mean I guess also more people gamble on NFL, right? So they, you know, the bookies would probably you know get someone killed if they didn't uh, if they didn't uh, you know be straight up with the injury stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's just definitely different though. That that definitely reminded me of uh, of, the, of that. And, and meanwhile, I mean, you can't get you can't get the Jets to be very forthcoming with anything injury related. So no, yeah, and maybe they don't. Maybe they don't. Know, maybe they maybe it's true that they don't owe us anything. But maybe it's also true that it would be smarter of them to just to be a little bit less opaque on that stuff. 
Yeah. I think, I think though, that what's probably healthy for people to do if they really feel that way is to maybe look at a proper comparison, like look at another team and follow them for a bit and see what happens. I, I find this argument come up all the time when people attack, you know, local media. And again, I'm not defending them. Do a good job or don't. I don't really care if you break the story or not. Just we'll we'll get stories somehow. But it's not like people think that when they're close to the team, that the team just feeds them information. That's not how it works. They're always digging and trying and asking questions. And, you know, some are better at their job than others. And um, basically, uh, but then, so they say, our local media, they don't break any stories. And I know uh, the other day, uh, Marat and Ken Weeb talked about this on their podcast. And I thought it was kind of good that they addressed it. It's like, do any beat writers for whatever the Dallas stars or the Anaheim ducks, do they break all the stories or is it always Bob and Dreger? And like, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. So I'm not going to rail against someone for, you know, not doing their job when everybody else in their position is stuck in the same thing. And, and insiders just keep feeding Bob all the lines and he's sort of, you know, scra they scratch each other's back because these guys have been in the industry for forever and they have all the connections and Elliot Friedman, they're another one too, right? So these guys have the connections, people feed them stuff. They know all the agents. It's not like the team says, Hey, here's the real inside goods on, um, you know, Bufflin. And then they say, uh, so, and they sit them down and say, uh, Mac, Mike McIntyre is there and Ken Weeb. And they say, here's what it is. Here's what we'll allow you to report. They don't feed them anything. They, they're more concerned about how they're presented on their own social media and how, what their message is when Shevel Dayoff goes out. They, they're not in the business of helping a local media write their stories. That's, that's not what they're trying to do. And so sometimes with, with, um, what the team does and what information they give and all that sort of tying it back into the original conversation. I think maybe see what other teams do. Like do, does every other team just tell you everything about it? Hockey historically has always been kind of secretive and weird that way and old school. Um, so I don't think the jets are probably that different than anyone else. Maybe a little bit more. They seem like they're probably a bit more, but I don't know if it's fair to say they are, unless you've actually gone and you follow another team. Like I know there's some, you know, Jets fans that are big Boston Bruins fans and some Blackhawks no, fans just too. Because I mean, you know, AJ, just because everyone else is doing it doesn't make it right. Okay. <laughs> if the if <laughs> if the well, you know what the every other team had a no re-entry policy, even though some of their arenas are in the middle of parking lots, so there's no reason to leave. But the Jets are, you know, uh, Bell MTS is surrounded by like three or four bars and restaurants. So we need to have the same policy as everybody else, even though our situation is completely different. Right. It's uh, so sometimes when it's fun to fall in line with everyone, you have a good argument because you're just falling in line with everyone. But other times, um, yeah, it's uh, you do your own thing because you get to say that's your own thing. Anyhow, I always thought that was kind of a funny line for that because it's every team is different and every situation is different. But um Right, yeah, like, well, why? Well, I mean, actually, in fairness, they did actually explain, uh, they gave the rationale, and that was um, air temperature quality. You, know? <laughs> you, can't open, you can't open the doors. So. <laughs> That's true, is it? Doors. But you can have, like, smoke machines and all kinds of dumb stuff inside, and, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about the air temperature, or the air quality, yeah. Have you noticed an improvement in the air quality over the last two seasons? Uh, yes, have you? Yeah, I've noticed that there's no fun and sucked all the air right out of the building. Yeah, yeah, like, Ayo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that's a whole other, that's a whole other topic. But, I know, uh, and you love that topic. But, but, but 
but I mean, I think that's also kind of killing. I think like it's, it's, uh, you know, you know, we're here. Yeah, we're talking about like canola and uh, and uh, buff and buff and everything. But I still think, yeah, like it's different. It's different this year because because the whole mood, everything, like the whole mood of of, of fans in general is is different, and so uh, it's it's a bit of a new a bit of a new experience i think like whenever when when things happen like the jets you know maybe they'll hang around and and uh, make the playoffs and everything but um but uh being a fan's a little bit different this year um yeah yeah i was gonna actually say that i um our friend Rand pointed out he said the only good thing the jets had to talk about this year was heinola and now they took that away from us, at least temporarily. We, who knows what the, the plan is? Again, I don't think they know what the plan is. But, um, yeah, I I thought that was kind of a funny line because it's like, yeah, there just hasn't been a lot to cheer for. Although, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that I haven't seen the argument online. And if you come across it, please let me know because I would get a good laugh at it. But someone say, you know, the Jets were 500 uh, last year from December till, you know, June or whatnot. Um, they were a 500 team with much better players. And now they're basically a 500 team with a decimated decor. So theoretically, they're actually a better team now, like at least playing better hockey, because, you know, if you're 500 with a better team and 500 with a, a worse team, uh, that worse team is obviously overachieving. So I'm waiting for somebody to make that argument. Um, I don't care to troll them or go after them, but I will definitely get a laugh if somebody is actually seriously thinking that that's a, a good argument. So, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that was my thought going into this season. It was just, oh, well, you know, like, basically just like it just seemed like so many things went wrong last year. Like the team just underperformed so much. It was like, well, even though they're missing all these regulars and they're missing Truba and, oh, God, like now Buff and stuff, it's like, you know, it's just—I mean, just the NHL seems to be so seems to so uh, mercilessly um, funnel teams towards the middle of the standings, yeah. and uh, and maybe we could have maybe we could have kind of ridden that wave a little bit and uh, and just kind of yeah be a little bit positive about that because the truth is is yeah this roster is not as stacked as it it, it was stacked two years ago and it was stacked one year ago, yeah. um, but uh, but now it's actually it's we're kind of we're, we're kind of looking to be hoping to be overachievers this year or, or just, you know, screw it and get a good draft because next year's a great draft class. So, yeah. you know, either way, right. Either way. Not either way. I mean, the, the, some, if, if you don't go full tank or don't show that you have a vision or you're just kind of staying down that thing, I think that's the annoying part to, to fans too. I know a lot of people have spoken to that. I know we're kind of switching gears here completely, but just the idea that if you're going to be bad, be really bad, you know, start selling off the vets, start, you know, get a switch of manager or coach, whatever it is. And I'm not, I mean, I would advocate for those things if it looked like they were, those were potentials. They don't really seem like they are with this club. But um, yeah, it, I, and then, yeah, you sell those off and then you look like, okay, but we are planning for something else. But if it's just to, the plan is to muddle around in the middle and let the vets just age out and then just add some other guys and then bench a couple of good players uh, for way too long of stretches. I mean, that's just going to alienate people even more. And, and actually, the I was going to say the silence that the Jets has on some of these uh, topics and whatnot uh, that we were talking about earlier, too, is... Um, part of the alienating factor. But uh, yeah, I think a lot of fans are a little bit pissed off uh, that it's not obvious if they're going to try and be good or not, because basically they did nothing to replace anybody with their D and um, 
a lot of complaints probably still about the usage of the forwards. It's just still doesn't seem like an optimized lineup in any way. So um, a lot of people are definitely on the Maurice bandwagon, uh, like the fire Maurice bandwagon, which again, I I don't know if he needs to fire as much as he just needs to change uh, the way he does yeah, things. That, that's, it, I like that. I actually, I actually, AJ, I like that. I Because, was, because that part of that touches on, okay, well, fire Maurice, and then replace them with who? Like, you're going to get another coach. Yeah. Well, what's this other coach going to be like? And then, at least if you think about, at least if you think about, okay, well, really what I want is I want someone that um, that can think beyond, like, two scoring lines, a checking line, and a, and a six-minute-a-night line. Okay. Yeah. Well, great. Well, however you solve that problem, like, that's what, like, that's what I, as a hockey fan, that's what I want to watch. I want to watch, like, I want the Jets to, you know, uh, trade for Nick Patan back or... <laughs> You know, I mean that would be awesome because that would actually give us something to argue about again, right? This year, so yeah. maybe that maybe they should do it for that reason. And Tanev, but, uh, get him and Tanev, and put them on a the line together. You got to think about what you what you want in a coach, and and yeah, because it's the NHL, you could never get your hopes too high at all. But uh, um, but yeah, you know, Maurice can just go to the KHL again for the weekend and come back with another lesson. And, you know, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's what we want in life, right? Like if people kind of are failing at something, I mean, this should be the real test of Maurice as a coach because the the D is decimated. So if he could overachieve with this team, um, that that would be a real accomplishment, I, I would say for him. And, and uh, I mean, he kind of not, I don't think he overachieved with a really good team. I think he'd underachieved the year before when they didn't make the playoffs, but um yeah, I th- I think if he could actually turn this around and take this group of misfits and kind of make them good, then maybe he's not doing such a terrible job. Um, but I think he needs to make some some changes. And the the fire Maurice thing only has legs, I think, because he doesn't look like he um, makes adjustments or or changes. He's, he seems quite resistant to it and uh, old school that way. And that's yeah. pr- that's problematic when you come up against issues that you can't solve like say a super hot goalie in Mark andre Fleury two years ago and you basically have one scoring line that's that's doing everything and you have never made an adjustment all season and then you you still continue to not make one in that moment the, the whole idea is to be progressive um in in that and he's not progressive enough but people change and so maybe he could be maybe he sits down with an well, in fairness, he, in fairness though, he did make a change he scratched andre Kopp and toby Engstrom and put him so yeah, that's that, that was the game I watched. There were there there have uh, been changes. Well, They've they haven't been the ones that they make a change. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm Kurt Gilback, and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric Broadcast. <laughs>